Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello, hello. It's me. How are you? It, me. I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you, all, Emily? I am, you know, I am doing well. I am doing good. What are y'all drinking? She's doing both good and well. Superman does that or does one of whatever. Yeah, thank you. Uh, It's a muggy 90 degrees here in Montana. Uh, so I just cracked open a crisp, refreshing Citra IPA from Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company. Ah. Uh. Yes. Uh, forever ago, I bought a bottle of pre-made Negroni from Trader Joe's. Don't come at me because it's not the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst drink I've ever had. So to make it a little bit more juicy, I poured it over some Ranchiata San Pellegrino and some lemon juice. And it's just occurring to me now that it both tastes and looks like a pink lemonade, but with alcohol. Oh, and it's wow. pretty good. Cute cute <laughs> it is i'm into it paired with your frozen cool whip from the pre-record oh, i Lord. did yes i did just finish about half of a container of just frozen cool whip i was going to eat it on here you're welcome for not steven and of wait cool whip. Listeners. You, you told us it was a third now you're saying it's a half yeah I, you know straight it's son. whipped it's hard to tell you know <laughs> is it just volume oh eyeball the volume <laughs> yeah but you know scoops are taken out and you know it's it's a wide container all right fair enough I'll drop it. It went down so quick. I didn't really look at how I'll much there it. was. <laughs> well, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know we don't want you to hurt your teeth. Um, thank you. You should go see a dentist, though. Probably. I should. <laughs> I just learned that. Thank you. Yes. I should go see a dentist because I didn't realize it wasn't normal for your teeth to hurt when you ate ice cream. Everyone say a prayer for Josh. He needs it. You learn um, new things about adulthood every day. You do. You sure do. And we love you for it. Um, I'm drinking a green tea iced with some coconut in there because I was feeling kind of tropical. And mm -hmm. it's what do you mean good. with some coconut? What do you think I mean by that? Like coconut syrup? Yeah. Oh, OK. Delicious. No, I, I'm just going to put a, I'm just going to put a whole coconut raw in coconut meat. <laughs> I was Ooh. really hoping it wasn't going to be just like dried coconut flakes, like the really bad kind. Mm -hmm. Ooh, now I'm going to try that just because. Delicious. I'll let you know how it goes. Maybe that'll be my next drink. Um, Please don't. So, but why not? For your health. <laughs> You're a public servant. <laughs> I'm not going to die. <laughs> you might, though. Coconut. We, we don't know that. And you won't know until you try. Mm-hmm. So it's my topic. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to talk about. Like I'm feeling a weird sense of burnout. Like this time of year is just very busy, even though there's not a lot liturgically happening. Summer is very overwhelming. 
But then I remembered a conversation that I had on Sunday with a woman um, who attends my church. And I want to pick y'all's brain on it. Um, I We may have previously talked about this or something similar. But I want to know what are y'all's thoughts on singing patriotic songs the Sunday before or of 4th of July in church? I don't like it. I really don't like it. That's me. I don't know if I've ever loved it. I feel like growing up, we did sing Battle Hymn of the Republic in church. Mm-hmm. And that is the main one that I can remember. Yep. Um, because it's in the hymnal. And of mm-hmm. course, hymnals love to like index by topic because that makes it easier for worship leaders. No, I feel like early on in my conscious, I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to say like adult lessons, but that doesn't really make sense. Like, I feel like in like my late teen years, I was more and more conscious of the kind of like marriage of patriotism in the American church, mm-hmm. particularly in that most sanctuaries have an American flag. And mm-hmm. I don't think I was the biggest outspoken critic of it, but I definitely felt that yeah. criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen? Oh, I mean, when I was a Christian, I never liked it. Made me super uncomfortable. Now I don't like it still. My views haven't really changed, but I that is more, I think, out of a commitment to, <sighs> listen, America gets a lot of things wrong. <gasps> like, that shouldn't come as a shocker for anyone listening to episode 147 of this podcast. But that's our opinions, but America does a lot of things wrong, but I think one of the few things that they got right in the beginning and that the country has just battled, rightly, I think, battled over it for almost 250 years is the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very important concept when it comes to governance of a people and just like existing in a political body, because I, I have problems when you try to, uh, when morality is attempted to be legislated Mm. and enforced upon the rest of the people who don't subscribe to that same morality. So yeah, I don't like it either. Emily, what do you think about, patriotic songs in church oh we are all in the same boat we are Mm. all thinking the same thing great and i am one of those people that when i came to this church and i saw that our church sanctuary had both flags in the sanctuary like next to the cross i moved them out of the sanctuary and i put them by the front doors but not in the sanctuary nowhere near the sanctuary and um I remember finally two years, I think, after I did that, I had a woman come up to me and ask me where the flags had gone. And I told her and she said, why are they moved out of the sanctuary? And I gave her a very, it was was an honest answer, but it was a very refined answer because I was not about to just unleash my theological overwhelming (laughs) viewpoint to this little old lady. But I was, the question that was asked on Sunday regarding the hymns really threw me off because it was mm. the Sunday before the 4th of July and we had a it was a great service like we had communion hmm. we started our 5 week sermon series on justice like i was feeling so pumped up Ooh. and then this week this Sunday after the service it was a woman came up to me and she asked why we didn't sing any songs and i said well we had a patriotic song it was the woman who was doing special music, she had asked if she could play a song. And I said, sure. Like, absolutely. It's just on the piano. 
it's not like straight out of the hymnal or anything. It's going to be a little different. Sure. Like you're bringing that to special music. I'm fine with that. Um, We're not singing along to it. It's, you know, it's more performative, whatever. And she goes, well, no, no. I mean, a a hymn. Why didn't we sing any? And I said, well, you know, our music was pre-picked and we were, I think, saving all this music because we do on the 4th of July, we, our church opens up our doors and we serve hot dogs and we allow people to come in after the parade and we have our band here play music, like play patriotic music, but not in the church. They play it outside. And then they play other just kind of festive 4th of July songs, whatever, but it's not within the sanctuary. And she said, well, I just think we should have sung something that Sunday. I I just felt it was very wrong. Mm. And I you know, I thanked her for her input and I said I would address it with worship and with our music department. But I left that conversation feeling just kind of icky. Like mm. we needed to have a patriotic song. Why? What like where is the obligation? It just made me really think about the idea of, you know, one nation under God. And yet it seems like we're trying to force situations in the church that don't need to be there. Like you can be patriotic and not sing a patriotic song. You know, there are people who don't put their hand over their heart for the Pledge of Allegiance for very good reason, but that doesn't make them any less of an American. So I think just the idea of churches or Christians putting patriotism at the forefront Hmm. or like intertwining their identity so much is fascinating to me. And so that's kind of where I wanted to see where this conversation goes with that, because we have a rise in, you know, Christian nationalism and we have a rise in evangelical movements and wanting to see how being patriotic is a part of that and political affiliations identify you first and foremost as a christian and whether or not you are a democrat or a republican well then are you really a christian i've heard that come up a number of times shockingly and i want to pick our brains on that i don't know where i don't know how much we'll get in like what all we'll do but that's what's on my brain man i honestly cannot i'm really happy the way that your answer went because i think that that's very nuanced and very human like i was going to ask you if you had a shorter answer like what it's like to be a pastor right now in this kind of political climate because certainly since 2016 i think we've only just grown more polarized especially in religious circles not that divisions were never there but i just like can't even imagine what it's like to navigate those thoughts and opinions and feelings in the congregational space because like Mm -hmm. There's like a part of me that wants to say that Battle Hymn of the Republic has just as much place in the church as singing Do You Hear the People Sing from Les Miserables about the French Revolution. Mm. And I and I'm not I don't just mean that to be like ridiculous and on one hand I think it is but also I think that like there is room for cultural context within religious community. Like your community issues and the things that you are proud of or struggling with will like be a part of your religious community and so like on one hand I feel like I can appreciate it when churches choose to recognize like members of the congregation who served in the military while also speaking up for justice, even if that means, you know, certain things about our government. But also I know that there's like a really fine line right now about like what churches 
can and cannot say like legally and how many churches are just completely crossing that threshold when it comes mm. to politics and like who and what to vote for. And I think that that is a tough one because that does cut on both sides of the aisle too. That's not just like a, just a conservative thing. I think it's so complicated because like we are human and unfortunately the military is a part of America. And so like, of course, like we're going to know people and people are going to be in our religious communities who have been in the military, regardless of how proud they are or not. Mm -hmm. But I think that glorifying the country under religious reasons just feels so obviously like a classic definition of idolization to me. Mm. And -hmm. like, I feel like you, Emily, if you'd really wanted to be quippy, my mind went to like, you could have answered that congregant as, well, we don't worship the flags. Mm -hmm. We worship God. So why would we put them in at the place of attention in a place of worship? And I feel like that's a perfectly acceptable answer. And I don't think that that's rude. And I think that that should be a very easy theological case. And it really surprises me when people don't just like appreciate like gratefulness for being in this country or like gratefulness for people who have served in military or organizations around the world. But they just like go full throttle into, yeah, America's the best. And Mm -hmm. God loves us because of that. Like, that's just like such a jump to me. And like, I know, I know, (laughs) like not everyone is like that. Not all conservative Christians are like that. But like, of course, it's like getting all of the attention right now. Like I just listened to an episode from Straight White American Jesus uh, about a recent event that involved the Moms for Liberty. And like, I don't know enough to talk about it here, but like, I just think it's such a good example of like how much it is in not just religious media attention, but just like broad media attention in the nation. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, and I'll finish soapboxing here. Unfortunately, I think it is the current best example of why theology matters and why we have to critically think about theology and how it impacts our day-to-day life, regardless of whether or not we are Christian. Do you think it's because we, that being the global we of just like Christianity well, um, or Kristen dumb, if we want to say, okay, do you think that's just because there's a desire to keep the momentum of like, I mean, did you see how far Christianity spread when it was co-opted by Rome to be the official government or efficient? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the government religion, like when Constantine did that, I think some Christians would look at that history and say, well, yeah, that was only a boon to us that opened us up for all sorts of opportunities to be missionaries everywhere you know and we just want to like keep that going especially if we can draw the appropriate parallels to well the roman empire did that i bet the american empire could do that too if we could only get a christian in the white house or a you know what i mean yeah yeah and even then like the christians that we did have in the white house they like jfk like (laughs) what a catholic no we can't have a catholic in the white house and a democrat and a democrat oh well horrifying that's that's the other thing too that kind of grinds my gears is i i vote independent um and i am not ashamed of like sharing that but i serve a church that is predominantly conservative and there have been a handful of times, I would say, where people who no longer attend the church 
you know, would come up or they would ask or talk to other people and say, does Pastor Emily have an agenda? Like, is she dishing mm. out liberal agenda from the pulpit? And it's she gone woke. one of those things. I'm woke. I'm a snowflake, you know, and it's one of those things where I don't promote my political affiliation for that very reason, because if I say I'm a conservative and I'm preaching the exact same thing that I have been preaching, but I say I'm a conservative, people get on board with that, right? It's, oh, well, her ideals are conservative, therefore I agree with her. But the minute a political ideation is different and that's how you see me, therefore my message must be different and therefore Mm. I have an agenda. And that's heartbreaking to me. But there are clergy and those in ministry who do do that. And that is also heartbreaking. What kind of tension do you feel, Emily, in the United Methodist Church as a pastor of what is pretty widely considered on the more like progressive side of Christian thought when you pastor a church within that system in a town that certainly leans conservative wyoming see and that's what cracks me up that, is should that not be a tension that i even put in my mind i guess like uh, for some reason it surprises me that a united methodist church is conservative no like it i th- actually i think it makes it makes sense it's because we this particular united methodist church the majority of people i would say are conservative however they're more of like the middle like they're more kind of a center line leaning towards conservative Mm. but they are very open an idea to people of different thoughts and beliefs Mm. which is what makes methodism methodism you know it's yeah we are this umbrella of people and it's great because we had in june we had earlier conversation of are we disaffiliating like are we going to stay and be affirming and reconciling in recognizing LGBTQ clergy and allowing LGBTQ weddings and peoples. Mm-hmm. And the fact that our church landslide vote said we are staying, we want to be affirming and reconciling was very comforting for me to say, you know what? You can come from a conservative background and have a liberal theology. Like they mm. are not mutually exclusive. And it was very interesting, though, to see that unfold and then on a Sunday be like, why are we singing patriotic songs? Like, yeah. OK, people. OK. Like, what is your allegiance to? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's in real time, like shattering a bias I had set up in mm. my mind. Like, I guess I just assumed that it would have had to be mutually exclusive. That's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. Unless you want to really like start parsing the way some libertarians do where they say like, well, I'm socially liberal, but uh, fiscally conservative, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like it has to do with like certain political arenas that we're talking about. Are we talking like social legislation or are we talking about like how the government spends money and what the government spends that money on? I think one of the more fascinating things to me about this whole conversation that I feel like I don't really hear a ton of people talk about explicitly is like, why does this happen? Like, why is it that in theological spaces, there is a current tendency and has been in the past to become so, I guess, like politically cornered, for lack of a better word. Um, And certainly there's been like divides in the church over politics, especially in America. Mm -hmm. 
SBC being a great example, but like, I just like, what other organizations do we see this happen in? Where like, where, where else does somebody complain? Hey, why don't we sing a patriotic song? I, that doesn't happen at sports games because you're already seeing the star spangled banner and everybody just moves on and nobody questions it. Nobody does that at a concert. Like I saw a TikTok recently and this guy was talking about like people who, this is like a funny opinion. And he's like, I think people who go to church all the time just haven't been to enough live concerts. I saw like, that. That was a good I like one. His, his point is good about like the, what sociologists call the collective effervescence. That's been my whole point with metal shows for like a year now. Totally. This totally. is true. We've this had and true. Honestly, whole episodes about it. Well, and great callback to our episode, God Loves Fog Machines with atheist DJ Kevin Danger Gallagher. Kevin. Great episode. But like, like as much similarity as there is, like there is a really uniqueness to religious community. And I think that it brings up really unique problems. And I think that this is one of them. Like, how do you bridge the gap of like, obviously the church wants to reach the most people. So therefore it would probably end up having the most moderate stance on things. That's like the most welcoming and inclusive of all peoples. But then of course that doesn't happen except in a couple of denominations. Mm -hmm. But then even that silos, because you were just talking about Emily, like you have to be like welcoming and affirming yourself to be welcoming and affirming. And then that only attracts a certain type of person. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just think it's a really unique thing that like for some reason being theological seems to predispose us to have really strong political opinions and i don't think that that's bad necessarily but like i think that the wide polarization of it is just so fascinating it really like is. we can't all agree <laughs> like <laughs> i don't remember who brought it up or maybe i'm imagining this conversation but i feel like it was shared that there are churches who say the pledge of allegiance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely have said the Pledge of Allegiance at like VBS or Awana yeah. um, or church camp. I don't think I've ever said really? it. Really? Oh, yeah. Every week at oh, Awana, yeah. for sure. No. Approved workmen are not ashamed, baby. But also, if that's the norm in the schools, like that's not weird to say it at another kid's thing, right? I feel like it's weird. Like, I feel like that's part of the norm of being a kid. No, I've only said it in schools. Or like Yeah, when yeah. I let it <laughs> over the intercom at the high school. That's right. That's right. I've come a long way, haven't I? You have. You have, <laughs> yes. I've never said it at like camps yeah. or VBS or church retreats. Never. Uh, Emily, there's a couple churches in our hometown that I could name that like I've been to services and they say it every week. My goodness. Like after the worship before the sermon. <gasps> what? Yeah. It's like what? in the it's baked in the middle. It's in the middle of the sandwich. Oh my! It's God. the spicy pickle between the meat and the cheese. <laughs> right? Mm, I don't know if I'd say it's the spicy pickle. Well, I mean, it's gotten you fired up, didn't it? <laughs> Not in a good way, though. I like spicy pickles, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, that happens. That happens for sure. How does that make you guys feel? Oh, I mean, icky. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, it's bad. I, but I'll tell you what am I going to do? It's a free country. But like, would people get reprimanded if they didn't? Um. Well, socially, I'm sure people do. But of course, like, yeah, that's like the most insidious form of reciprocity and reinforcement is like the social pressures that happen in social yeah. psychological settings. Or I imagine that like the worship leader that abstained from leading the Pledge of Allegiance might be asked to stop leading worship there. But Ugh. not that I've witnessed. I feel icky. 
is it, I'm sorry to be kind of stuck on this idea of like Christianity was doomed the moment it was co-opted by Constantine and the Roman empire, but it really does feel that way. Doesn't it? It kind of does. As soon as like for the majority of this religion's life, it has been attached to global superpower and conquest and conquest. That's what it's what the British did. It's what the Spanish did. It's what the Americans have done. Like it's a thing that you bring with you uh, so that your conquering ships can carry both the soldiers and the missionaries. So the hand can strike, but also still give a flower. Right. And mm-hmm. that really feels like where the plot was lost, because I would argue that the whole book of Revelation is essentially political cartoonism showing how the church getting in bed with the dragon of Babylon is the end of it. Mm. That's when it gets devoured. And we don't take that seriously enough because we're stuck in dispensationalism and we're thinking that's, that's actually talking about something that's happening in the future. Right. Or like that will happen. But I think what John the Revelator was saying was like, to use another prophetic term, he was seeing the writing on the walls of like, yeah, I guess Christians can still be in places of influence, but once their single-minded goal is that they use their influence to make the rest of us Christian, that's not inviting. It's a top-down thing and rather than a bottom-up thing than Jesus that Jesus always preached. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. What do you think is with the, in my mind, the paradoxical views that are like, America's the best, let's praise America under like theological reasoning, but also we are persecuted and this is the worst place for Christians. Mm. Like, what is that like? dialectic because that feels like unhinged to me because you want the freedom you want the freedom of religion but only as long as it aligns with yours right yeah you don't want to give the benefit of the freedoms to the people who disagree with you because then they're going to worship something else and it's like well but also like Mm -hmm. if you truly believe that america is the best place and the most christian place and the most christian nation Mm -hmm. then why are you trying so hard to get into american politics to influence it like if you already Mm -hmm. believe it's there I mean, because it could always be better. I don't know. It feels really contradictory. <laughs> or you really want to set up a theocracy. Ah. That, that's a Mormon goal. That's written in documents of the Church of mm-hmm. the Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. 
is they they and want to, their own government. And to be fair to Christians, I think that most Christians don't actually think that. I think maybe some do, but I think that most Christians probably don't explicitly think that. I think it's a lot more implicit than you give it credit for, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, that's the problem uncom- is like yeah. when you use the same rhetoric as people who do think that, it's yeah. impossible to tell. But like, you're right. It's not written into like Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. Like it is literally written into Mormon doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more so carried out just through our action. Mm. Which I will argue to the day I die, the way you act says a lot more than what you say. So like if Amen. you carry that through your action, that's your true belief. You could pay lip service to whatever you want. Sounds like somebody's been reading James. <laughs> God. For my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Do you all celebrate Independence Day? I had a conversation with a guy at the souvenir store on the 4th of July. He was bickering with some other person and he said, everyone has the 4th of July. <laughs> Call it what it is. It's Independence Day, which he's not wrong. Like ev- everyone has the same calendar date of the 4th of July. <laughs> so I asked my church, I said, did everyone have a good Independence Day for those who celebrate it? And I did get a couple weird looks, uh, which is, you know, that's fine. They can do that. Yeah. But did you, like, do you all celebrate Independence Day? I celebrate my Independence Day by abstaining from everything that looks like I celebrate Independence Day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I almost tweeted and I ran out of time in the day, but I really wanted to tweet, take us back, England. Nay. <laughs> we asked for this. <laughs> That's pretty I, good. It's hard, man. I don't know. Yeah. I went on a rant about fireworks and how how America is like we've never been the subject of like empirical bombing runs for the sake of oil interested superpowers. So let's like fuck around and see what it'd be like if we bombed our own place for a while. Oh geez. Let's simulate a war zone. By blowing up a bunch of shit in the air and freaking the fuck out of our PTSD veterans. <laughs> like, yeah, nothing says we love you, troops and veterans, than, oh you know, yeah. invoking it's horrible... So backwards. There's so many reasons, so many reasons to boycott fireworks. Yeah. So many. Or parades or anything. Like, Dixie and I stayed home in the AC and just spent the day trying to keep our dogs calm so they didn't poop on the walls like they did last year because they were so freaked out by the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exercise your... I'm just your imagining f- your dog's like going up on its hind legs to twerk on the wall and it just starts pooping. Oh, no. It's not... It, it wasn't intentional. It was just... It just was. It had enough force think- behind it. Let's put it that way. Emily, to like kind of wrap around to like where we started, I think that I will always feel weird about Independence Day, particularly mm-hmm. because of our religious history. Like, I don't think it's inherently wrong to be patriotic. I really don't. I, I think it's totally perfectly fine to be proud of your country despite its flaws and the cons of living there. And like, do I think America is the best? No. Do I think it's the worst? Also, no. It has a lot of terrible shit that happens here. And also, we're the richest country in the world. And mm-hmm. that's also pretty backwards. But for all intents, it's like purposes, the only thing we rank number one on. Oh, well, no, there's life a expectancy. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fuck that up. Mm-hmm. Actual freedom index. We're like twenty sixth. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. So, like, I think like, that there's plenty. What are we talking about? I think that there's reasons to be to like where you live, like whether that's local or national. 
And I think there's plenty of reasons to be critical of where you live, no matter where you live. Yeah. But like, I think for me, I think I will always feel weird about America specifically because of the religious history and like how much it has been quoted both in the past and currently that we are a Christian nation. And I feel like, like early on in my adulthood, even when I wasn't really starting to unravel things, I feel like I I noticed a lot more people even back then, like when I was 18 or 19 talking about like, Oh no, we're not a Christian nation. Like that's just a myth. Like even Christians would talk about that. It's just like, so wrapped up. Like the church and state here is not, separated like as much as we want to talk about it Mm -hmm. it's not as separated as we like to think even though arguably it's more separated than england because england has no separation of church and state like the church of england is the state yeah and so like we are a step removed from that arguably but like we still have this weird tied up together history but they also have a much more secularized population Right. Like it's a, it's the church <laughs> it's really of England is the state as symbology and mostly nothing more. I mean, I guess at least they're honest that it's imperialism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to call it what it is, be upfront about it. The church founded by Henry VIII. Sure. Let's keep it around. Emily, how, okay. So I'm thinking about how I wish I liked 4th of July in the sense of like, Sure, I'll dress up in red, white, and blue, and I'll go to a barbecue, and I'll go hang out at the park and like see some fireworks and hang out with people. Like All that sounds good, for the most part. And I also don't want to make it sound like I'm not disconnected from the feeling of like having pride in something. Like Emily, do you remember how you and I went so all out when we were playing pet band for like basketball games and volleyball games and like... I mean, dressing up for Pride Week our senior year. I was most spirited our senior year. Correct. It's in the yearbook. You earned that. <laughs> you earned it. I, rem- um, I remember. I so remember. Like, I, know, I know what that feeling is like. And I wish I had that. Truly. I just... Mm-hmm. I can't get myself away from the skepticism I've learned to hold toward American enterprise. And I also just struggle with this fundamental ass backwards way of some people in America arguing for rights and freedoms, no step on snack vibes, (laughs) but really what they mean is they want that for them. They don't want that for you. Like I would argue when we're, when we fight and when we, when we go to marches, when we tweet about trans rights, we're arguing for a very American ideal of liberty. But the same people who are stereotypically holding the megaphone for freedom, rights, garbage, G- Gadsden flag shit, they're the ones opposed to everyone in America having the freedom to choose what they do with their body and how they express themselves in the world. Mm-hmm. It's so backwards to me that the party of liberty is the party of their liberty. Yeah. And it really is just like, they just don't want to feel threatened. That's why they feel persecuted is because someone disagrees with them and dares to say, you're not actually standing for the thing you're standing for. You know, a bug's life is a great movie to represent that. Like there's a scene where the grasshoppers are, they, you know, they're living in that sombrero in the desert and they have that jar full of seeds and, a hopper takes one out and he throws it at a grasshopper. He goes, how's that feel? And he's like, I didn't feel a thing. And he throws another one. Oh, are you kidding me? Nothing. And then he mm-hmm. breaks open the lid and all those seeds bury those grasshoppers and everyone's silent. He goes, 
This is why we need to keep them silent and in line, because if one ant figures out that they outnumber us, they will basically destroy us. And I it's the same thing. And the reason why I believe it's hard for people to get into the, you know, the pride vibe of like we were in high school is when we were in high school and we got all decked out in our purple and gold and we were screaming so loud, we lost our voice and we stayed up countless hours, right? We had pride in what was happening because there was nothing wrong with what was happening. Like it was boys basketball and (laughs) there was nothing wrong with that. It is hard to support something when there is wrong. And I think what makes someone truly, in my opinion, patriotic is when they do stand up to the things that are wrong. Same with being a Christian. When Christians stand up for the things that are wrong, even if, you know, let's say there's something happening to a group of people who don't necessarily believe that the same things as you and you stand up and you say, I'm going to support you, even if we don't agree I am in favor of you. I want to support you and help you and help give you a voice. That makes you patriotic. It's when you call out the shit that's wrong because you want it to be better. You're like, hey, here are the aspects that we're getting right. Here are the things that are not so right. We want to change those things so they're all right. So they're all good. That's what I believe it means to be patriotic. Like you can dress yourself in red white and blue and drink your bud light although you're probably boycotting bud light because they put rainbow flags on their products and so now you're finding a different beer (laughs) whatever but if you choose to not see the wrongdoings of this nation are you really patriotic like how can you say you're proud to be an american Mm -hmm. when There are things wrong. Like, wouldn't you want to be proud of something that's actually entirely and wholesome and good, not just partially good? Like if I'm if I'm going to if I when I was in woodworking and I made something and I was I did not like it, I would ask my teacher, I would like to redo this. I'm not proud of this work. I know I can do better. Why would I settle for mediocre? (laughs) Like, here's a C average for this woodworking project. I'll take it. I'm proud of it. No, that's bullshit. I can do better. Let me let me do better. We should be thinking the same for our country. We should be thinking the same for our churches. Oh, my God. Our churches really need a lesson in this. Like, don't just settle for mediocrity. Be better. Like, serve your community better. Be more intentional in your communities and then say you're proud to be a Christian, but actually own up to it when you know it's good. And own up to it when it's not good. Damn, that's a word. Yeah, preach. I can it. get on board with that. Damn. Thank you. It's like you get paid to preach or something. I know. It's, it's, it's almost like it's my. But calling not here. Or she something. does it for free. Goosebumps for here. Free. Crazy. But it's true. Okay, I have a question because I came out as like the champion of uh, separation of church and state, and I think Josh is on the money when he says it's not nearly as separate as we all think it is or should be at least my friend alex he put a survey up on his instagram recently uh he he had to do this little like statistical analysis thing for a class and what he did was put up a google survey basically asking people a a bunch of the basic demographic stuff like your religious affiliation age uh race uh sexual orientation all that kind of stuff and the main question of the survey was 
specifically asking if we supported like the ordinances and the the laws being proposed in Colorado to decriminalize things like mushrooms and other psychedelics. And Alex, I know at this point I haven't, I know Alex is listening. I, I haven't seen the results and you haven't given me the download of the actual results, but as the survey was going on, he was posting things to his Instagram story that I thought was really interesting. And one of his main points was for the demographic of the people who took his survey that said they were agnostic or atheist, or basically saying like, I'm not religiously affiliated. They, in a large uh, degree, like a large percentage of us said we approved decriminalizing these drugs. And we also said, because he asked a very brilliant question inside the survey, that our approval of this law that would decriminalize these drugs is not because of our religious beliefs. But part of me is wondering, and just like Alex pointed out on his Instagram, like part of me is wondering is, do we think the separation of church and state is actually almost like a religious belief in and of itself, but because it's put forward by people who say they don't explicitly hold any religious belief that we think it's an a-religious claim to say that the government should be separate from church community? I think I see what you're asking, but can you reword that? Because <laughs> I want to make sure that I am hearing that correctly. The separation of church and state sounds like a thing that would be put forward by a group of founders that were largely deist or agnostic or atheist and not necessarily subscribing to like a very, I don't know, for lack of a better term, they weren't evangelicals saying that we should maintain a separation of church and state and put that in well, I mean, fun fact, it's not even in any of our documents. It's just kind of a thing that Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter once. Hmm. Putting that aside, it is kind of a big thing in America that gets talked about a lot. And to me, I'm wondering if the concept of separation of church and state, while sounding like it is an a-religious proposition, is it possible that it is equally as religious as people who want theocracy? I think that it can still be religiously motivated. Like, I think that there's a lot of different political strategy out there. And like, if you have a religiously motivated belief to you personally, and you're trying to sway voters, and you know that they don't have that same religious motivation, it is in your best interest to say this isn't religiously motivated. It's motivated by these reasons that you can probably agree with because you're not religious Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So I think it is entirely possible that the separation of church and state, quote unquote, can still be religiously motivated. I also think it gets like really confounded because I think a lot of people think that the separation of church and state... I I see a lot of people make this mistake. I think a lot of people think that the separation of church and state is supposed to mean that your religious beliefs don't have influence on your politics or on the government, but it's like supposed to be the other way around because they came from England where the state had control of the church. Mm -hmm. Right. Which like, of course, there's like still like state regulations and stuff like that for churches, but like there's significantly less amount in places like England. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it still can be religiously motivated. Even if the people saying, yes, I approve of decriminalizing these drugs say (laughs) that it's not religious. Cause that's how I answered. Basically I was like, I am atheist. I think we should decriminalize these. And when I was interrogating the thought, I was like, no, no religious thought 
inspires my answer or inspires my position on like the way the laws should work toward these substances. But Alex is just pointing it out on his Instagram story being like, really? You don't think this has any, it's like absence doesn't, Mm. oh, what's the aphorism? Like maybe I was thinking because I have an absence of like, I don't hold to a scripture anymore as like my, my rudder in the sea or whatever. Like the absence doesn't necessarily mean it's not something like a religious belief that tells me that Mm. those drugs should be decriminalized. And likewise, maybe it's not the absence of a religious thought that actually gives us the idea of separation of church and state. Curious. Um, For more listening on what Steve and Josh and Emily have to say about religion and politics, uh, we did one of our most downloaded episodes ever is number 22 is faith political. And I would say it's pretty similar to what we talked about here, but we recorded Mm -hmm. it right after, well, right after like a month after the January 6th insurrection Mm -hmm. at the Capitol. And we also had a good episode with Steven Torna called depolarizing Christianity. All great listens. I also have a plug that's going to be in the show notes. It's by Walden Pod, and the episode is entitled Western Values Are Not Based on Judeo-Christian Values. And it's like this <gasps> Ooh. delightful, basically, he's just like, all right, bet, let's take it. Ten Commandments. And he just goes down the Ten Commandments. And he's like, you see how that's actually like the opposite of the American value, right? Like, it's very Ooh. clever. and It's very fun. Fascinating. Trigger warning, there are clips of like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson in it. So if you don't like hearing those guys' voices, maybe, I don't know, find a transcript or just take my word for it. The episode was good. Well, what you have to understand is that the founding fathers wanted a separation of church and state. Let's just say hypothetically. (laughs) Oh Oh my God, that was good. Holy crap. No. I used to listen to both of those guys a lot. Did you guys know that? I mean, I know now. <laughs> when have we not had a Matt Walsh era? You know, that's yeah, yeah. Yikes, bike stereo. Yeah. Um, I will. Speaking of which, I will also plug the episode we did: Church Creeds and Imperialism, where we talked more about like a question coming from one of our English listeners, Mr. Jeff, and we didn't oh, talk. I, we wasn't as pol- politics heavy, but that was a really interesting episode. So I'm going to plug that one too. Good stuff. All good things. Amazing. Thank you for digging into this topic oh, with me. I, I found it delightful. It's Thank interesting you. to ask uh, a similar question being on this side of deconversion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I have different motivating values right now. And I think it's just nice, even if we've addressed similar topics, it's yeah. nice to see how things have shifted mm-hmm. and just to get reinforced in my brain that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's always room to have this same conversation again like this isn't a one and done it all all topics are on the table at any point and should be rediscussed because as beliefs shift we shift and Mm. it needs to be an open dialogue and that's good the minute we close the book on the conversation is the moment that in my in my understanding, faith dies. Mm. Oh, what a f- the book of life is always open, children. That's good. Amen. That's a word. Hey, amen. If I can really quickly, because we haven't done this in a while, but I like I'm sure the three of us missed something. And maybe you were like shouting at your car stereo, like, why won't you guys talk about this? You could share those <laughs> thoughts with us. Our receiving lines are always open. You can give us a voicemail 
and you can call us at 601-55-RAVEL, 601-557-2835, or you can email us at theravelpod at gmail.com, or you can find us at RavelPod on Instagram, Threads app, TikTok, and Twitter. We are on Threads. I am proud to announce we're taking over the world right now. If you think about it, we were doing Threads originally anyway. They kind of stole our our thing, R.I.P., yeah mark zuckerberg owes us man he really <laughs> yeah that's he does. a thought yeah he does that's pay a up thought. mark up pay up mark <laughs> you heard it here folks <laughs> that's good emily do you have a a closing word for us <laughs> or perhaps unless she already gave perhaps it. a patriotic song hey god bless america um no actually i was motivated there was a woman that i heard and i her name is not coming to me and i feel really bad now uh, but she changed the words to um the star spangled banner and it was it was in it was encountering the wrongdoings of this nation and i think it was very brave of her to do that and i am encouraging our listeners and ourselves as well to think about the ways that we can push for liberty and justice for all like what is it going to take to achieve that and when we say all who do we mean because we all have an idea of what we mean by all and it's not the same as what god requires of us you know to do justice love kindness and to walk humbly with god so put that into perspective after you blow up a firework (laughs) 